Welcome to the 75th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. Today's guest is an author and health coach who took an autoimmune diagnosis and turned it into a healthier living empire. Amy Lacey. If you're new to the show, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I am the co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind and host of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I've lived with type 1 diabetes for 36 years and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. I am diligent about finding quality guests who share my personal philosophy, that is, to not allow my autoimmune disease get me down. I knew Amy Lacey would be the perfect guest to wrap up Diabetes Awareness Month after reading her cookbook, The Cauliflower Kitchen, literally from cover to cover. You don't do that normally with a cookbook, but it was just, I loved her story. Her desire to bring back dietary normalcy, especially her family's pizza nights, after her diagnosis, was the driving force behind Cauliflower Foods, the first cauliflower pizza crust. This epic journey has reintroduced pizza into the lives of many people with dietary restrictions, and I am thrilled to share her story with you and hope that it maybe brings pizza back into your life. Before we get started, I have just a few quick announcements. Number one, this episode was brought to you by InPen, the only FDA-approved smart insulin pen and app system. Five years ago, Companion Medical identified a hugely unmet need after discovering that only 7% of insulin users tapped into pump therapy. That's still shocking to me, I, I, really, because every picture I see, somebody's got a pump on. Their integrated diabetes management ecosystem includes a smart insulin pin that automatically sends your dose to an app on your smartphone tracking insulin on board and providing a dose calculator, which can help avoid stacking while calculating more accurate doses. Winning. The InPen is hassle-free with a clean design, no recharging, no downloading. Everything is done automatically, making life with diabetes and multiple daily injections a lot easier. As someone who has never tapped into insulin pump therapy, I'm ecstatic to discover InPen. It will be the next tool in my diabetes management tool belt, allowing me to give multiple daily injections with confidence. If you would like to learn more about NPIN, please check out the show notes. I'll have links in there for everything. Number two, Patreon subscription. If you've listened to any of the other episodes, you know that I launched this a few months ago. Your subscription will help me grow the DDG team, allowing me to create more podcasts and content. It is as simple as $5 a month. And if you take a look, it's pretty entertaining how I came up with the different levels there. Number three, hit me up if you're hosting a conference or event. I love meeting new people and have the gift of gab. Never met a stranger. <laughs> Co-host a real-life diabetes happy hour in your town. It's a great way to connect with someone else in your area. And in my opinion, everyone needs a diabetes. Number four, get involved in the diabetes online community. There are a ton of fellow bloggers and diabetes characters who do a fabulous job of sharing their story. And we all know each of our stories are different, so you never know who you'll connect with. Number, I think it's five, advertise. If you feel your brand complements our mission, we would love to hear from you. If you're interested, please send an email to my marketing associate, Penelope at Penelope at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. She'd love to hear from you. Leave an iTunes review and stay connected by signing up for the DDG monthly newsletter. And continue to love, like, and share on social media. And don't forget, you can always send me feedback, ideas, comments, or complaints. I can be reached via email or on any social media platform. Number six. This year, I branched out and rallied fellow people living with diabetes to form the Real Life Diabetes Consulting Group. It was created to help bridge the communication and awareness gap between the patient and medical community. We have all witnessed this in one way or another, and so we really hope to make a difference for both parties. The team and the services we provide will soon be highlighted on the Diabetes Daily Grind website, so please stay tuned. If you would like to learn more in the interim, please contact me at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Well, I think that's it for the announcements, uh, so let's get started. 
Exactly. Are excuse me. I'm chatting with you from my sunroom here in Oklahoma City. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Florida, and I apologize. We've been having some internet issues ever <laughs> since the storm. Yeah. They were out yesterday to fix it, and I was hoping it would be completely fixed, but it keeps glitching. No worries. Um, and I'm for- okay. Yeah. And, so if, if Ashley said it, no problem. You can call in. Otherwise, I would have tried to maybe go somewhere else, but. <laughs> Since it was okay if I called in, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) The joys of technology when it works, you know? Oh, my goodness. Ever since the hurricane that we didn't have came, (laughs) our Internet has been messed up. And it's really causing havoc on my business a little bit for me when I'm in town. So I I appreciate your flexibility. Absolutely. I'm happy that we could finally connect. And I know that you're a a very busy woman. Um, And I want to start by saying that if my memory serves me correctly, I think I started stalking you guys, your team, maybe on Instagram, because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm excited for this brand. And I kind of shared my story about having type one diabetes and I choose to eat a low carb diet. And when I found that after I had tried doing my own um, cauliflower crust about a year or two ago, and it was awesome, but it was a huge labor. I was so happy to find your brand and, and just kind of fell in love with you guys. And I think it's amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I think just besides the fact that is, and I'm like geeking out, but that I love the product when I got your cookbook and did research about the reasons why you created this, I just really, they really speak to me because you did what a lot of us are trying to do and is take a, a negative situation or a diagnosis and turn it into something that's not doom and gloom, you know? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's been an amazing journey, but it wasn't a planned journey. Right. So it's incredible. The explosion that's happened just in the category alone, because we were the first to, uh, there was another one that was out when we came out, but it was called a veggie crust, not a cauliflower. And now the category is, huge. It's a billion dollar category and there is over 50 products that are, have cauliflower in the name in some way. Right. And unfortunately, not all of them, matter of fact, the majority of them are not products that I personally can eat. So a lot of them are filled with fillers. They're not using the fresh cauliflower. So it's been amazing on one hand to know that we kind of started this category, but on the flip side, it's been tarnished, so to speak. Right. So, yeah. Well, I'd love to tell you how it started. Well, yeah. I I don't know if you know the whole story, but I'd love to to share that with you. Well, I want to, yeah, I do. And that's a part, what I want to start with, because you just posted this, like, a day or two ago on your blog. I know. The gestational diabetes, I had no idea. I know, I did. Are we recording? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm happy to talk about that. It was my third pregnancy, and I was 38, and so I was already a high-risk pregnancy, but I had gained some weight, um, pretty much not as much weight as I gained on my first pregnancy, but I had gained um, a little bit of weight pretty quickly, Right. and I ended up with gestational diabetes, so I literally... Um, you know, that put Grant, who is uh, my child, mm-hmm. at a higher risk for sure. um, getting diabetes later on, and also myself. So I was very devastated by that. And well, and yeah, I think it was something new was from your shocker. post was that you, um, I didn't know that, was it, is it 20% of pregnant women actually get gestational diabetes? That is a, a statistic that I read, and I currently cannot quote you where I read that but I read that and interestingly enough um the doctor the OB that treated me said chances are I probably had it in my first pregnancy I had gained a lot of weight in my first pregnancy 
and James was my oldest, and he came out very large. Mm -hmm. He was a very large baby, nine pounds, seven ounces. His head was extremely large, and he was was jaundiced, extreme jaundiced. And so a lot of the signs that I had um, during that pregnancy would, the doctor said, would probably allude to the fact that I probably had gestational diabetes then and they didn't catch it. Right. And then it's interesting because I gave birth vaginally to James and I had quite a hard time delivering him. I ended up, after he was born, I ended up... um, vomiting and then passing out and they gave me sugar um so it was not the most pleasant (laughs) birthing experience but they're pretty sure I had gestational diabetes and of course I wasn't uh, I lived in Louisiana then and a hospital that no longer exists is where I had James because of Katrina yeah but it's it's interesting that he said there's several indications that you had gestational diabetes back then, hmm. and then the next two births were C-sections. But Grant and Caroline was my next child, mm-hmm. and I had no problems with her. But with Grant, yes, I early diagnosis of gestational diabetes. Well, and I'm glad they found and, it early. And Grant, yeah, and Grant came three and a half weeks early. Too. Okay. You know, one of the things that um, one of the big, I'm going to say, advocacy efforts right now for that we're trying to get passed with insurance is that constant glucose monitors will be covered by insurance for all women with gestational diabetes because it will not only protect her but protect the baby and and keeping an eye on your blood sugar throughout that journey, especially since you're kind of thrown into diabetes and then hopefully you know it goes away whenever everything goes back to normal, but. Um, quality of life for the women. We're just hoping that all of that will go through. Oh, I love that. I <laughs> think that's phenomenal. I would love to offline see how I can help in that process. Yes, <laughs> we'll it, we'll definitely know, I was, chat. I was very, yes, definitely. I was, it was a really interesting time for me because I was 38, like I said, and part of the program that I was in when you develop gestational diabetes, you had to go see a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I saw the nutritionist, one of the things that that really was like a big alert to me is I used to, just for convenience, the other two kids, I would give them Cheerios or, um, you know, different cereal as a snack um, for breakfast. And I remember the dietitian saying to me, giving your kids cereal, now it depends on the cereal, but the majority of the cereals out there is like giving your kid a candy bar for, Christ- or for breakfast, for Christmas, for breakfast. <laughs> um, now we, I only give them candy at Christmas, so that's what's popping in my head. But um, no, and, and so I started doing hot breakfast after that every single day. Like my kids don't walk out the door unless they've had a hot breakfast. Which is great. And I, just, I always remember that because I can remember buying the kids what I thought was really healthy cereal because it says it on the outside of the box. Right. But when you flip it over and look at the ingredients, um, not so healthy. And so it's definitely been a learning experience. I grew up with a single mom, and my mom, her mother, went through the depression. So mm-hmm. my mom grew up eating you know, a certain way. And then that was passed on to me. And I remember that morning time with cereal might've been cocoa puffs or, um, you know, all those different cereals. I can't even think of what they are now. (laughs) And then also we would have rice cereal or hot cereal with cinnamon and sugar in it. (laughs) So I just remember a lot of my, my experiences with food was not healthy. What did you, you know, did you have oat, healthy food? Did you ever have oatmeal? No, I, we didn't have oatmeal. And we used we to put had, sugar and stuff in that. That's the reason I ask is because looking back yeah. on that, it was one big ball of carbs. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, definitely. I know for dinner, it was a lot of hamburger patties, fish yeah. sticks, mm-hmm. KFC, that kind of thing. So just something that my mom, bless her heart, could just whip up really quickly. And was convenient. So I grew up eating really bad habits. And I wanted to be this really healthy mom. I didn't have a weight issue. The kids didn't have a weight issue. But going to that nutritionist, I realized 
all these little things I was I thought I was doing, like buying the healthier cereal, right. actually was not a good thing. And so you know, <laughs> learned a lot from that experience and starting to share more and more of those experiences because I have an audience now and yeah. I want to be very transparent about, you know, having gestational diabetes and what we can do. I one of our populations that we affect greatly are type two diabetics. Yeah. So we get a lot of people writing in and they're a type two diabetic and they're like, I can eat pizza again. And we see a lot of kids now with type two diabetes. Yeah. 10 years ago, you didn't see a lot of kids with type two diabetes, gestational diabetes, type one diabetes, but not type two. So it's a scary time. Our health care and where we're headed as a country, we really need to turn it around. Well, and I said this on the past couple of episodes, A, living in Oklahoma, which is one of the largest type two communities, it's like one in six people walking in this state have it and or and or don't know that they have it, which is frightening to no extent. Um, and then, the yeah, the rising rates of, of children with type two and how I hope in my lifetime we see them overhaul what kids are eating in the in the schools because we know that's all processed and that's unfortunate. But you're you're absolutely head, with your experience, you're ahead of the game because you were thinking about it well before, if I understand correctly, you were then diagnosed with lupus. Yes. Before I even knew I had autoimmune I had the gestational diabetes. Yeah. So once I was diagnosed with lupus and Sjogren's, that switched up everything again. And I mean, when I was pregnant, I was still eating bread and yeah. and various uh, grains. But once I was diagnosed with lupus, I really cut out a lot of things. And I didn't, I didn't know I had lupus for a long time. I had rashes. Um, I, I would get treated with steroids, which would mask mm-hmm. it because they thought I had poison oak. Right. And I used to get it into weird parts of my body and I would think, well, how the heck did I get poison oak here? <laughs> and I remember the doctor saying, well, you have, you have dogs and you live in the canyon. And I'm thinking, but I'm not rubbing up on the dogs on my chest. <laughs> my <bare laughs> right, chest. Like, right. And I've got massive rashes on my chest. So I remember being perplexed by it and thinking, okay, well, I, I'm not sure how it's happening, how I'm getting it here, but the steroids immediately would, would clear it up. And so I just figured I must, I must have that. Right. And then it wasn't until I developed a pulmonary embolism in my lungs and I almost died that they went looking for a clotting disorder. And then it, it came about that I had autoimmune and they, first diagnosed it as mixed connective tissue disorder. Okay. So in order to have lupus or Sjogren's or any autoimmune, you have to have a positive blood work. So your test needs to be positive and you have to have active symptoms at the same time. So you could go in and have positive blood work, but never have symptoms. And truly you don't have lupus or you can have active symptoms and have a, a false negative blood test. If you have a positive blood test and active symptoms, then chances are you you have some form of autoimmune. For me, it's lupus and Sjogren's, and I've really just most recently been struggling with the Sjogren's, which is uh, dry eyes, dry mouth. Uh, my eyes have been I've been doing um, antibiotic and steroid drops for my eyes, and normally I don't have too many issues, but lately. Um, I think it's probably stress-induced and a lot of traveling. i got to so, say to you, what, to what, what you're describing, I mean, like, I just had an aha moment to the 10th degree. I have been struggling. Well, I get rashes, oddly, and they've really picked up since I've been in my 40s. Like, just crazy stuff comes out. My dermatologist is, is fabulous, and we've found things that can subside it or get rid of it. Um, but the dry mouth and the dry eyes, I changed insulins like four years ago and contributed it to that. And it's so crazy because I'm, and I take um, allergy medicines, Flonase and all kinds of stuff just because my body is a nightmare. But um, I've always contributed since the, to the insulin because it was new. And I even contacted the pharmaceutical company and then to these, to the, and the medications that I'm on. But what you're talking about, I'm just, I'm curious if I should get tested 
And how would I get tested for that? I would definitely get tested. So I was diagnosed, I believe the pregnancy triggered the lupus. And then I was not diagnosed with Sjogren's until a few years ago. And Sjogren's popped up on my blood work. So you just need to go in and have uh, blood work done. And I didn't really understand what it was. But once they explained it to me, I realized, oh, I've been having those symptoms for a while. Because of the autoimmune, I went through menopause. I started going through menopause at 40, and I was finished going through menopause by 42. What? So I went through it early because of the autoimmune. And I, it sounds, it sounds kind of personal, but <laughs> I figured all the dryness was from being going Good through menopause. menopause. Right. Wow. And I get my blood work done routinely. I have to because every once in a while, you know, I have inflammation attacking my body and I don't always realize it. For yeah. example, I had non-alcoholic liver disease at one point. And it, so I'm getting my blood work done routinely and all of a sudden Sjogren's popped up. But it really explains the dry eyes, dry mouth. Sometimes I'll get sores in my mouth. Now that could, that could be from the Sjogren's, but also can be from the lupus. Um, most recently, the dry eyes are so dry that they're just chronically red yeah. and almost like, like you're describing, almost like an allergy, yeah. sort of itchy, but just painful almost, almost like sand in them. <laughs> so yeah, I would definitely go get tested because <laughs> I have know, literally invested easy treatment. Well, and I, my mom, the other day, um, she went to Sam's and got me like a big pack of the refreshed tears because every time I'm around, I mean, it's like, I can barely close my eyes. This is just fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. I'm definitely going to have my blood work done and we'll report back. I really hope I, I hope it's just allergies. I'm just hoping for the best. Yeah, definitely go get that taken care of because, um, it, it's a huge relief if you know, and then you know what to do. Like there's certain things that I, I wear very little eye makeup. Ugh. It just helps not to. That's a bonus. There are certain drops that really help. Um, of course, right now the steroids and the antibiotic ointment is very helpful. Mm. So for sure, I mean, it's no fun to, to have that feeling in your eyes and dry, dry eyes. So, And if you have dry mouth as well, that could be an indication of it. But I mean, there's so many things it could be, but it just can't hurt to go get it tested and see. Well, and it's funny too. And I'll just say on a couple of past podcasts, cause I listen to everything and et- send it to my audio engineer to edit. And I'm just like, I can hear myself like swallow and you can tell that I, my, my mouth is so dry. It's, it's ridiculous, but that's fascinating. And I got to say in your book, I loved that you referenced um, when you cut out gluten and sugar from your diet, that it was, your, the reference was a bad boyfriend, like a bad breakup. So I'm just curious because I, I know, know. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it's painful. It's painful <laughs> when you go through withdrawals and you're like, right. well, want and, it so bad, but you know it's so bad for you. Oh, that's, and it's such a perfect description. And so my, I'm curious because I read often about people that, and you know, people without diabetes or whatever who really can't kick their sugar addiction. So do you have any tips or anything that you'd like to share about how you made it through that bad breakup? So sugar, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I, I still find myself, um, I'll grab a piece of dark chocolate and dip it in peanut butter. And then I'll be like, I know this is going to be, I'm going to pay the price for this. Or, you know, there are times where I just want a glass of wine Yes, and that. You know, things like that. So I am definitely not perfect, but I can feel the price that I pay. And it's sugar is probably the number one cause of inflammation for me, even more so than grains. So the, the feeling of eating a lot of sugar and the inflammation that I feel in my body mm-hmm. and then not knowing what it could possibly be doing internally is not worth it. Uh. But again, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I absolutely, one of my weaknesses is birthday cake. I love <laughs> cake. And so I will splurge every once in a while on a piece of cake, but I can, it's almost like I can feel it instantly. And I don't like that feeling. Then I say, Oh, that wasn't really worth it. So it has to be something really, really good to, to make it worth it. So my biggest advice on sugar is, and you probably know this, it's going to be super painful and you're going to feel really yucky the mm-hmm. first week. 
but if you can just cut out sugar and maybe start with things that are sugar-free, even though sugar-free is so bad for you, (laughs) but it's a way, and it also, the problem with sugar-free is sometimes it's even sweeter, but if you can, when you're craving something sweet, you can eat a piece of sugar-free gum, something like that to just get through or go for a walk, divert yourself from whatever is whatever wherever the sweetness is if you're out to dinner with somebody and they're having dessert have some coffee and put and again I'm only saying this for like the first week have some decaf coffee or whatever and put some artificial sweetener or hot tea and make it sweet just to get over to get the white refined sugar out of your body now I am not a fan of artificial sweetener. I think that's part of the reason why our country is obese. And I also, there's new tests coming or studies coming out showing that diet, diet sugar more than one a day, diet Cokes can lead to heart disease. So I'm not, um, I'm not a fan at all, but it is a way if you are absolutely struggling it is a quick fix if you can have like some some kind of sugar free sweet gum that or sugar free candy yeah something to curb that appetite if you can't walk away from it i always say go for a 10 minute walk come back and see if you still feel like you want it chances are you won't now on the second week try to cut yourself from that artificial sweetener drink a lot more water you'll find that And people always say, well, I don't like water, but you'll find that you'll start craving water. And water is a huge benefit to curbing your appetite anyways, because often we mistake our thirst for hunger. So when we're really dehydrated or thirsty, it feels like we're hungry, but chances are you just need to drink more water. Again, I will go as far as to distract myself with a podcast, you know, start listening to a podcast. Call a friend. Right. Any way to divert your mind off of that sweetness. Because if you're sitting there and you're telling yourself you can't have it, it's going to make you want it even more. But if you can get your mind off of it by doing something totally different, then that's, that's what's helped me. Now, by the second week, if you haven't had any white refined sugar for two weeks, probably you're starting to have a lot more clarity And you're starting to feel a lot better. And it's amazing. It doesn't take a whole long time to get rid of the sugar cravings. It really doesn't. And then once you do eliminate all sugar, when you go back to having something, it tastes so incredibly sweet that it almost doesn't taste good. Yeah. You just got to get over that one hump. And yeah, you're going to have, if you're a person that's prone to eating a lot of sugar, a lot of heavy carbs, a lot of sweet things like donuts, cakes, cookies, ice cream, things like that, then it's going to be hard at first. You're going to have a headache. You're going to feel yucky. You might even feel that kind of flu-like symptom. But the benefit far outweighs that period of time where you're feeling yucky. And the brain clarity, it's amazing. Well, and one of the things, and I have... um... I've shared this, like I said, I've chosen, a, you know, when you were talking about growing up with certain foods, my parents were much like on that track and that we were all busy. They had three kids and whatever. And, you know, I, I cut out beef and pork at the age of 14 and just because I didn't want to see animals killed. Wow. And then, yeah, I know my older sister was a vegetarian and my parents like threw their arms up and like, what have we done <laughs> to get, to get our girls to, you know, to change their diet so drastically. But that's one of the things that my doctors have contributed to having a little bit of a healthier life with diabetes for this long is because I, I cut out a few things. And when it came to sugar, I totally relate with, I would rather eat, I, I would rather not sit and have that cookie or that piece of cake because it's going to make, I know that it makes me feel bad. It's a headache and it drags me down. And even when I eat like a tortilla, which is, you know, 36 grams of carbs, depending on the one, um, it drags me down and I don't ever want to feel that way. And so I think that once you kind of do your own experiment and test those things out, I would hope that people would see it's not as hard and I'd much rather feel good. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, it just, it, it's hard to, because you feel worse than you normally do in the beginning. But white refined sugar, I mean, for example, I used to 
Well, my kids would want a soda if they went to a friend's house or their cousins drink soda. I, at one point, took the, I believe it was 78 teaspoons of sugar and a root beer <laughs> and filled the cup up next to it with the 78 teaspoons and yeah. said, here's here's what you're about to drink. Yes. And you know what that makes you feel like. My kids are very aware, like the Halloween candy. They're like, mom, will you pay us for our Halloween candy? I said, sure. I will give you money for your candy. (laughs) But they know, they know how it makes them feel. Like my daughter has said so many times, oh, I get so agitated when I start eating a bunch of junk food. I'm like, the white refined sugar, it's just, it wreaks havoc on your brain and it does horrendous things to your body. And it is, I mean, for inflammation, it's for sure the number one thing that causes inflammation along with grains and caffeine and, but sugar is the number one. So I feel like people could eliminate their sugar cut back. We would go a long ways in our health in this country. And unfortunately, we don't have super strict food regulations, right. so a lot of people are putting, you know, a lot of bad things in the food, and people don't realize it. Well, I'd be curious, too, how many people are walking around, like I said, one in six with diabetes here in Oklahoma, but that are have, like, major inflammation, and they don't even know it. They don't even know it, or they have, they're pre-diabetic, and they yeah. don't realize it either. I've, yeah, definitely. I mean, when I, I can remember... One time driving, we used to have horses, and I was driving back from the barn. And I'm not kidding. I was just driving along, and all of a sudden, one of my molars came out, literally fell out oh, of my Lord. nose. And I was freaking out. I never, I didn't feel any pain. You mm-hmm. didn't see any swelling in my mouth. Went straight to my dentist. I had a massive uh, infection in my mouth. My mouth was all inflamed, but you couldn't see it. It was all internal. And it was from the autoimmune, but I didn't even realize I had it at that point. Right. Well, let's get into the, okay, so you've taken, you know, the situation, A, you were naturally learning about how food was making you feel, then you get the diagnosis, you know, a little later. And so that's what fueled, and I loved hearing that you wanted to get back to having family time and your pizza nights and things like that. So share a little bit about how, you know, what, what could, obviously the, the switch had already been flipped, but what gave you the courage? Because you really took a huge leap of faith with starting this company. Yeah, so like I said, it was very organic the way that it started. So I was diagnosed with autoimmune. I felt terrible. I had hit a rock bottom. Grant was a baby. He went to live with my in-laws for a couple months. I couldn't walk for a few months. I was on Coumadin for the pulmonary embolism, which is not a good drug. It has a lot of horrendous side effects. I was going to the Coumadin clinic three times a week to get my INR regulated. I was on Plaquenil for the lupus, and I was on steroids, which I wasn't sleeping because of the steroids. So it was a, a storm of a mess, and I had hit my rock bottom really when Grant had to go live with my in laws a couple months because I I couldn't physically even pick him up, much less take care of him. So that's when I said, okay, I I need to change what I'm doing. I need to really figure out how I can get off this medication, how I can get our lives back. And I met with Rob Wolf, who started the first CrossFit in Chico, California, and he had written a book called The Paleo Challenge, and it was the number one New York Times bestseller. So I met with him, and he said, I think you should do an elimination diet, so eliminate sugar, dairy, um, all grains, and let's slowly add some things back and see what's causing the inflammation. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I realized that I could actually get my life back with what I was putting in my mouth and slowly, hopefully, get off these medications, and that's exactly what happened. So one of the things I had that our family had done prior to – um, me getting so sick was we had family fun night on Friday nights. We did pizza and games. Matter of fact, we're doing it tonight. We have all of the cousins coming over tonight and we're pa- playing catchphrase. I'm making some cauliflower pizza and my mother-in-law's making a, a seafood type stew, but we were a big game family and I wanted to bring back some normalcy to our life. So I thought, okay, I need to figure out a way 
to make pizza healthy. So I went to the internet and I went to the internet to look at a lot of different things. My condition for one, the medications and the side effects for another, and then other kinds of foods that I could eventually add back into my diet. And I kept finding for the pizza so we could have family fun night again. I kept looking for a healthier grain-free pizza and the cauliflower pizza kept coming up and I don't like or I didn't I love it now but I didn't like cauliflower back then (laughs) I didn't like it as a vegetable I didn't even order I never had it in my house I never bought it at the grocery store I never ordered it when we were out in a restaurant it just wasn't a vegetable I was a broccoli zucchini kind of girl so cauliflower (laughs) wasn't a vegetable that we had in our house And so I kept seeing the cauliflower pizza crust recipe online. And I thought, okay, I'll try it. And I I bought the ingredients, tried it. It was a straight-up mess. (laughs) It didn't turn out. It was all over the place. And I remember thinking, okay, this didn't work. And I went back to the drawing board, went back into the Internet, and I found it again. And I believe it was on Rachel Ray, and somebody raved about how easy it was to make and how delicious it was and that their kids ate it and didn't realize it had vegetables in it. Right. So I thought, okay, I'm going to give this another shot. I did. It came out great. Sure enough, the kids loved it. I felt like it was a winner. And I started really using cauliflower. I could. I, it was such a bland vegetable. I could make a lot of things with cauliflower and you couldn't taste the vegetable in it. And right. it, it made a great replacement for grains. So I actually started making like cauliflower cookies and different things like that. And the pizza was such a hit. Now, fast forward and making the pizza for our family. I started sharing it with friends and family. People loved it. And I had been getting healthier and healthier. And I wanted to pay it forward. Kind of something I've always been about is yeah. wanting to pay things forward and so I went and took a course through Martha Beck and she was Oprah's life coach and I thought okay I'm going to become a life and health coach and I'm going to help people that are diabetic that have obesity issues that are struggling with inflammation and I'm going to become a health coach and coach them so I did that I I started becoming a life and health coach and paying it forward by now I'm off all the medications I've completely changed the way that I've been eating. Um, My grant is obviously back home with us where things are getting a lot better. And I had another health coach that I was working with and we decided to start these healthy happy hours and serve the cauliflower pizza at the healthy happy hours. And one of our clients suggested that we take it to farmer's market and we did. And again, this is when you walk in a grocery store at this time, all there were were heads of cauliflower. There wasn't a cauliflower rice or Trader Joe's didn't have anything out, none of that. So we took it to farmer's market and we kept selling out before farmer's market would even happen. We would get people calling (laughs) us and pre-ordering. And I realized, okay, we're on to something and I need to get the proper license to be able to sell it in the store. We had one local store that approached us about selling it inside their store. So we got the right licensing, went ahead and did that. And that was 2016. And we hit the farmer's market in 2016, March 2016. By the end of the summer, we were in New Earth Market, which is a local little store in Chico, California. They had two locations. We were in both locations and we were doing very well. And we decided to take it to the next level. And I went online, shared a couple of our customer stories about how the pizza crust and going grain-free has changed their life. Mm -hmm. And it literally went viral. And in 2017, we sold about $5.3 million worth of pizza crust (laughs) online. (laughs) So it went from just wanting to pay it forward to clients and customers and family to farmer's market to just exploding online. Well, let me me ask ask you, because in your um, cauliflower kitchen, the cookbook that I have, which I love and I've gifted to so many people is I wasn't, thank you. You're welcome. Um, is I wasn't, I was shocked and pleasantly surprised whenever I read about Eleanor, I think it was a a little girl who's three. Yes. Did she Eleanor 
Yeah. I was going to see how you guys connected. So, yeah, so interesting. We went, we shared a story online in January of 2017, um, and this will take me to Eleanor's story, but we shared a story of Kenzie and Jesse. And Kenzie, Jesse was a client of mine. Kenzie was her daughter, and Kenzie was severely autistic, nonverbal autism. And the doctor had put Kenzie on a low-carb diet. Mm-hmm. Jesse had Jesse lived about an hour and a half away from us, and she asked if there was any way for us to send up the pizza crust because Kenzie had just been put on a low-carb diet. And Jesse said, the only way Kenzie eats is if I sit down and eat with her. And so I'm wow. going to eat your pizza, and I'm going to use it for sandwiches and however I can get Kenzie to eat. Well, seven months later, and this is in 2016, seven months later, Jesse called me, and we, were, we had been sending her crust every week, and she was telling me how they were eating it at least once, sometimes twice a day, and how all the creative ways that she was using the crust for things besides just pizza. Anyway, she called me one day, and she says, you're never going to believe it. Kenzie started talking, and now I've been able to put her into a regular school with an aide. And she said, and Amy, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I've been losing weight, eating low carb, and I've lost 169 pounds. What? Like, just shocker to call us after seven months. She, which I don't advise anybody to lose that much weight in seven months, but she had. She lost 169 pounds, and Kenzie became verbal. So we shared that story January of 2017, and it really went viral online. And that's how we were exposed to so many people via that story, via Jesse's story and Kenzie's story, and that's how Eleanor's family found us. Yeah. And so we had a lot of diabetics, type 2 diabetics, that were talking about us online. We had a lot of weight loss stories. Jesse adopted a low carb diet, so she did a version of keto. She also did a version of this program called Optavia. So then we had a lot of people that were doing Optavia reaching out to us, mm-hmm. and we were sending people samples, and they loved it, and then they adopted it as part of their diet. And we're a lifestyle brand. I mean, it's a lifestyle for me. It's not a diet. Right. It's a lifestyle for me. So I don't, I'm not, I I never want to, um, you know, say, oh, you should do Atkins or you should do keto or you should do paleo. It's just whatever is going to fit in your lifestyle. We have no added sugar, so it works phenomenal. It's great for diabetes. We have no grains. I mean, we're grain-free. So that's perfect. And so it, it's been, that's how Eleanor's mom found us. And she reached out to us and said, Eleanor loves pizza and she can eat pizza now. And we just, she said, please share her story. And we, mm. she's so cute. We sent her a little chef's hat <laughs> and a little uh, apron and then a, a plastic pizza that you put it together. Super cute. And then we kept just kept sending them pizzas and thanking them for allowing us to tell their story. And I've told Eleanor's story on stage multiple times. Right. Because it's wonderful to see a child that loves pizza but can't eat it. And they're really restricted and she can't eat a gluten-free pizza. Like there's too many fillers in yeah. it. And she found ours and she can eat pizza again. And it was just a great story. And there's... A few of them like that. We talk about Gavin also, another little boy that was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And that doctor put him on a low-carb diet. And he definitely went sugar-free to avoid having inflammation in the brain. And he, again, loves to eat pizza and was able to eat our pizza. And so if you can provide a little bit of comfort in an uncomfortable situation, that's game changer for me. And that's what keeps me going because the business had explosive growth. I'm a stay at home mom. I've never run a business like this. (laughs) And so we made a lot of mistakes. And early on, I was just grabbing whatever friend could come and help me because we were packing boxes, making it ourselves. We ended up hiring a co-packer, but we were still doing all the fulfillment ourselves. So all my family 
and friends were helping me and then they became employees and we built this phenomenal business, but it's always been, our customers have been the heroes, sharing their stories, making sure we stay authentic. Early on, March, with March of 2017, we had decided to go to the Las Vegas Pizza Expo. Mm-hmm. And there was a co-packer there and he said, you know, I can make your pizza for half the price and you can get this in every grocery store and you will be a bazillionaire, a millionaire, whatever he said. And I said, oh, okay, great. I'm going to come by your booth and I want to learn how you're going to make my pizza for half the price that it costs me because it's expensive. And it's expensive to make, especially using the fresh heads of cauliflower straight from the farm. And he said, well, that's the key. I can't use fresh cauliflower from the farm. I can use pureed bags of cauliflower that we can get from China, but we've (laughs) got to add a filler to it. And then we can make your pizza for about one-tenth the price that it's costing you. And you can get into all the grocery stores. And I'm like, well, I can't eat it because I won't be able to eat the fillers. (laughs) And I said, well, send me you know, send me the sample of the puree cauliflower from China because I want to see if I can work with it. Maybe I can make it without the the filler. Right. Oh, it it was so disgusting. It smelled (laughs) so disgusting. And there was nothing I could do with it. There was no way I could use our current recipe. I had to add some kind of flowers. So I was trying to use cassava flour and different flowers like that, but it just didn't, didn't work for me. And so, yeah, I decided to keep it. It's still the same recipe that we used way back at Farmer's Market. And I kept it as clean and authentic as possible. Well, and I think that's, for me, that's key because I try my best to eat a very healthy lifestyle. And your product has given me, and I, I, I can't eat regular pizza. I try not to, but it's given me the freedom to eat a slice of pizza and it's going to be like three grams of carbs, if that, and my blood sugar is not going to be all over the place. And I have tricked family, kids, friends, kids, everybody into let's, let's make a pizza together just using the crust. And then I've, I've used a recipe for the marinara sauce and tweaked it to my liking a little bit, but it's just fascinating how much everybody enjoys it. And they don't really realize until after the fact. And I tell them, and, and when they figure out how healthy it is, it's like, Wow. And there's a play group here in Oklahoma City for children with type one and their parents and they meet once a month. And I reached out to them because I go every once in a while to be supportive. And I, and they usually order like, oh, Papa John's or something. And I'm sitting there watching them eat this, which is fine, but I wouldn't eat it because I know it'd make me feel bad. And so I'm watching these kids who don't know any, any better and neither do the parents necessarily. And I said, why don't I, because they have a test kitchen, I said, why don't I bring a bunch of these pizza crusts and let's, or these pizzas and let's try it out and just see how everybody feels. We can watch our blood sugars together. And so that's going to be something I do in the near future. And it brings me great joy that these kids can have an alternative and still, I'm going to say feel normal. I don't like that, but be like any other kid. I love that. I think that's so awesome. You're, we'll have to touch base again yeah. and hear about how that goes. Yeah, you know, often I will serve, we'll do like little pizza parties and I'll have um, the sauce. And if I don't have time to make sauce from scratch, I love Reyes. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried that brand, but it's great. Or we'll do a different type of pizza, like maybe we'll do a barbecue chicken pizza and we'll use uh, Primal Kitchen's uh, uh, barbecue sauce for that. So low sugar, low carb. And we'll do a pizza party with different toppings and people will not be able to tell that it has cauliflower in it. We were invited to, in 2017, to have a pizza party at one of the ESPYs parties before the ESPYs. And Wanda Durant, who doesn't eat, Kevin Durant's mom, who doesn't eat vegetables, or at least she didn't at the time, Mm -hmm. her friend came over and said, turn your sign around so she doesn't know it has cauliflower in it. She said, because I tried this and you cannot tell it has cauliflower in it. So we fed Wanda a piece of pepperoni <laughs> and she had no idea. And then we flipped it over and said, you just ate, like she had multiple pieces, almost a whole pizza. And I said, you just ate almost a whole head of cauliflower. And she said, no way, no, no way. And I said, yes way. 
And our plain crust, which is now nationwide Walmart, is three ingredients. It's literally, we use the whole head of cauliflower so we don't avoid waste. So we use the stems and mm-hmm. leaves, which have a lot of benefits to them, antioxidants, yeah. vitamin C. And then we use cheese and eggs, and that's it, three ingredients. So you can do all kinds of things with that pizza. You can make it a dessert pizza. You can make it, a, you know, a regular pizza. You can, the sky's the limit. You can do a quesadilla, calzone, wrap, tacos. You can do all kinds of things with the plane. And then I get a lot of people that say, well, how is it you have autoimmune and you can have cheese? Well, cheese doesn't affect me. And I think part of the reason why it doesn't affect me is because I eat it in such small amounts. Right. And we have very little cheese in our crust but we do have some cheese in there. We also have a dairy-free option now. We have three different SKUs of dairy-free, so people that don't want dairy can can get our plant-based crust, and that's a great alternative, too. It's not my favorite crust, but right. I eat it quite often, and I love the jalapeno. Oh, the jalapenos you can to die cut, for. You can just cut it and eat it plain if you want, or well, we have I- a great cashew spread. <laughs> I uh, made a comment the, um, last week when I was in San Francisco. I interviewed, um, I think her handle is Diabetic Foodie, and she has type 2, and I asked her if she'd tried your crust, and she had, and we were both maybe off. I don't know if it was still on the podcast, but I laughed about, I burnt one of them. You know, you cook it before you put on the ingredients. I just wasn't paying attention, and I still ate it because it was delicious. It was like a chip. <laughs> I know. I love... Um... If I'm ever cooking something and I go live or I show pictures of what I've cooked, all all the time the edges are burnt. Because yeah. I actually like it Me when too. it's a little burnt. Uh, <laughs> I think it tastes good. I do. <laughs> so, and I like, I like mine crispy. Me too. And so the way to make it crispier is to if you pre-bake it, like you said, and let it sit for a little bit and then put minimal toppings. You don't need a lot of yeah. toppings on there for flavors. And then put it back in there and then let it after you pull it out of the oven for the second time and then of course we just came out with topped pizzas so you don't have to do all of that and those two once you pull them out of the oven you need to let them sit for a little bit we just came out with our chicken pepperoni we'll be launching Mm. it next week and so i had them at home last night because of course i got them in in advance and we cooked them up let them sit for a little bit and they were crispy and delicious Chicken pepperoni is great. Chicken pepperoni. So it's chicken really and pepperoni, or it's pepperoni made from chicken? It's a, it's, it's pepperoni made from chicken, uncured oh. pepperoni made from chicken. It's lower in sodium, better for you. You see the turkey pepperoni all the time at the grocery store. This is even better. I can't wait to try that. I literally was talking to my mom yesterday at lunch about pizza and whatever my dad ordered. And I said, you know, if I ever ate meat again, maybe I would try pepperoni. But, I mean, I so I eat chicken, so I can't wait <laughs> to try this. Okay, so you do eat chicken. Okay, I eat well, chicken and fish. Mm-hmm. You, okay, then I'm going to send you our chicken pepperoni pizza, our veggie pizza, our cheese pizza, and then um, we have a margarita. So I will I'll send you all of our new pizzas, and then you don't have to. I still love doing the crust by itself. Yeah. I'll make crackers out of it. Yeah. A wrap. I mean, I it's so easy, and... I'm so addicted to them, so I'll use those all the time. Yeah. But I love the convenience of just, like, Grant, when he comes home from school, he will eat a whole pizza and cauliflower pizza, one of our pizzas. And so... And there's no guilt. It's a great... I know it's healthy. Yeah. yeah it's no guilt. It's so filling, though, that I find at dinner, which is three hours later, he doesn't want to eat <laughs> as much because our pizza is so filling. It'll keep you full longer, which is great. Same on groceries. Fiber in it as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, um, I know uh, we're going to wrap this up. And I, is there anything else that you want to share about the future of the brand? Or I would love to. We are coming out with some amazing products. So this last year, one of my goals was to relinquish my CEO title and give somebody else the opportunity to run this amazing company. Wow somebody with a lot more experience going into grocery than I do because we're now in 6,000 grocery stores and we will be in 10,000 grocery stores um, in the next six months. I wanted to go back to innovation. 
So since the cookbook, I haven't been able to do a lot because we've been so busy. I've been running the company. So I've gone back into innovation. We have four new products coming out in March. We'll be sharing those at Expo West. So And we're getting out of the pizza area. So we're going into entrees. And they're amazing. And they're, they're in the cookbook. I'll give you that hint. The recipe is coming out of the cookbook. Okay. But they'll be nationwide, available nationwide grocery. I can't tell you which store, but one of them just picked it up. And it's going to be amazing. And then a few months later, I'm going to be launching another set of products. Two of them are coming out of the cookbook. One of them is not in the cookbook. I wish it would have made it to the cookbook. <laughs> something I made earlier this year that... Is phenomenal, and the cookbook was already out. So I'm excited because we're going to reinvent the frozen section of the grocery store. Yes. When you buy our products, you're going to be able to turn it over, look at the ingredients, no added sugar ever. They're all going to be grain free, so that naturally will be low carb. It's not my. It was not my intention to become any kind of a diet brand, but it will naturally be low carb because it's grain free, sugar free. And I'm excited. They're in a very filling, very healthy, something you can trust for your family. Well, and for someone like myself, and I I don't have a family. Well, I have a family, but not my, my own children or things like that. So, and I, but all my friends are working moms and I, I don't shop in the frozen section because I am a fresh farmer's market kind of girl. So this I think about is going to give me the freedom for that week that I am exhausted and don't want to have to prep a meal. I can throw in a pizza that I don't feel guilty about and partner with a salad. And then, you know, for all my moms who are soccer moms and running around constantly for them to also pull out something from the freezer that's healthy and 20 minutes later, everybody's happy. Like, yeah, it's just, it's it's brilliant. These products that are coming out are amazing, and I'm the mom that never shops in the freezer either. Matter of fact, I tried really hard to get our products to be shelf-stable, but they're in the freezer section for a reason. They're going to be phenomenal. They're going to be something you can trust. You're going to get a lot of wonderful, nutritious, healthy products coming down the pipeline from Kelly Flower Foods, so I'm really excited. Well, I cannot tell you how excited I am to try everything. And I want to thank you again for turning something that could be a negative or doom and gloom into something positive because the ripple effect of just that one decision that you made is is going to change the lives of millions of people, hopefully. And you know, I always say, I always say that I made a message out of my mess. And I really, truly believe if I can do it, anybody can. So whatever that looks like for people, whether it's just changing things in their own home or starting a business or taking, you know, there's a lot of people that are suffering in this world and trying to flip it. Yes. You never know what can happen. And 10 years ago, literally about this time, 10 years ago, I was a mess. I was on antidepressants. I was a straight-up mess. And my life looks so much different now. And there's a lot of blessings along the way. But literally, I just decided to take my health into my own hands. And I'm a work in progress. I just, you know, I'm just trying to tweak some things again because I allowed myself to kind of slip a little bit. And I'm going back to getting really healthy and getting my mindset. And so it's always a work in progress, but you can do it when you feel you're at your worst and there's nowhere else to go but up. You never know what that up is going to look like. That's right. Well, Amy, thank you so much. I look forward to staying in touch. And um, yeah, thank you for all that you do. Yeah. All right. I'm going to send those pizzas to you, too. Thank <laughs> yeah, you for having me. This absolutely. is an honor. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I love stories like this one. You know, the ones that take an unfortunate situation and literally flip the script. It's incredible that what started as a healthy happy hour soon morphed into a multi-million dollar brand. Not everyone has the tenacity to do this, and Amy knocked it out of the park. I can't wait to see what's next from Cauliflower Foods and feel confident 
Whatever it is, it will have a home in my freezer. Might need to clean a couple of things out. <laughs> so uh, good on you, Amy, for creating a killer brand with food I enjoy and don't feel guilty eating. The world needs more people like you. Before I wrap up, I have a few last minute items. Don't forget to check out InPin from Companion Medical. You can learn more about InPin at companionmedical.com or in the show notes. I promise you, you want to check them out. As mentioned in the intro, we are looking for solid partnerships. So hit us up if you're interested. We love getting creative and the sky is the limit. I don't care what industry you're in, give us a shout. For more information or to further the discussion, please shoot us an email to Penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com. Please continue to love, like, and share on social media. You can also leave me an iTunes review or shoot me an email with comments, thoughts, or ideas. I can be reached anytime at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com and always love hearing from my diabetes. And finally, the Real Life Diabetes Consulting Team is about to hit the road. And we have so much in store for 2020. It is so exciting and I cannot wait to share the details. In the meantime, you can easily stay up to date by signing up for the Diabetes Daily Grind monthly e-newsletter. Simple to do, you can do it on the website. And as I wrap up this episode and Diabetes Awareness Month, I just want to remind you, you are not alone. And if you ever feel like you are, please reach out to me, to the Diabetes Daily Grind team, um, JDRF. I mean, there are so many things online, the resources available. So just remember, you're not alone. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Daily grind, it's a daily grind, grind and grind.